As some of you may know, I have a personal practice of Kundalini yoga. I'm often sharing videos of my teacher, little inspirational quotes. Let's not say little, let's say powerful, very powerful inspirational messages through my Instagram and through sometimes my emails, I'll mention it. And in Kundalini yoga, there's a wealth of teachings, no pun intended there, on this concept called prosperity. Uh, For me personally, these teachings were probably some of the most eye-opening when I thought about the relationship of my kundalini yoga practice to my business, success, money, and true fulfillment. And the beautiful thing is is that because there is a physical practice with this yoga, you can chant specific mantras and do specific meditations to amplify prosperity in your life. And so whilst this practice is really foundational and fundamental, I also knew that these teachings went much deeper than that. And and when you take these teachings off the mat, it's really about creating your way of being in the world, just as so many other parts of yoga teach us. In a recent email from a past guest that you may have listened to also, Mary Margaret, she spoke about this topic of prosperity and this really sparked my curiosity to learn more from her. She has a deep relationship to this work through her business and ultimately her mentor and teacher that we share, Guru Jagat. Within days of reading Mary Margaret's emails, I jumped into my DMs and I sent Mary Margaret a message and I said, let's get on a podcast and talk about prosperity. I think we, I think we need to do this. I think the podcast community needs this teaching in their life and I want, want to share with, with them how this has impacted us, how it's impacted your clients and really support them to lean into this. And so in this wonderfully insightful and deep conversation that I'm sharing with you today, we explore the shifts that have happened between 2020 and 2021, both personally for Mary Margaret and in her work with her clients, what prosperity means to her and what the practice involves, how important it is to build a strong nervous system to support you when it come when success comes your way excuse me and what it looks like to help her clients achieve fulfillment in their work I'm not going to dive too deep into an intro to Mary Margaret but if you want to learn more about her work and her story I suggest you listen to our last episode which was episode 60 and that aired back in September of last year Before we dive into this episode, I wish to mention something very personal that happened this week. Um, This was recorded, this episode, Mary Margaret and I recorded in mid-July, so that was really two and a bit weeks ago. And sadly, this past week on August the 1st, Guru Jagat passed away after complications from a surgery she had. It's sudden. And she has left an enormous void in our lives. But this has ultimately deepened our love for the work. And the creative mark that she left on this world is only inspiring others to 
in her words, keep up and do the same. It was with Mary Margaret's permission that I'm sharing this episode in honor of someone that we both deeply cared about and respected. I'm forever grateful to Guru Jagat and I'd be here all day if I listed all of the things that I'm grateful to her for. But one thing she did so well is provide these platforms for women and men to connect, for me to be able to connect with Mary Margaret through Rama and share their gifts and ultimately forge new friendships across the Pacific Ocean. So without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Mary Margaret, episode 91 of the True to You podcast. Welcome to the True to You podcast, your go-to show for practical wisdom to build a meaningful and creative small business. You'll find content on marketing, mindset, and tons of experts who want to help you grow a thriving small business that you truly love. My guests are exceptionally creative women building businesses from their zone of genius, all while balancing many other roles in their life. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. Welcome, Mary Margaret, to the True to You podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be back. Yes, it's great to be back because this is your second time on the podcast and the third time we've connected for an interview, which is really, really fun. I really enjoy your company and your brain. <laughs> so thank yours you so too, much. Yours too, Ruby. I feel lucky <laughs> yeah. to be able to have these conversations. Yes, we're we're very, very blessed and blessed to be connected by such an intelligent, creative community worldwide as well. So we'll dive into a little bit of that later. But what I would really love to touch on first, since it's been a year that has passed since we last, or maybe a little under a year since we last did our interview for this podcast, and I know people are talking a lot about this past year. It's been momentous. I think it's been the catalyst for a lot of change, a lot of thought and uh, consideration, especially in how we live our lives and what's important to us. I'd love to know if there's anything that comes to mind that's that's changed for you. You can speak personally. I know... Um, the last time we spoke, you were just about to get married, which is very exciting. And congratulations. I Thank you so much. You've enjoyed the first six or seven months of marriage. <laughs> it's the best. Yes, we just celebrated six months. Oh, amazing. That's beautiful. Really beautiful. So yeah, talk to me. What's what's changed for you? What comes up when when I ask that big momentous question <laughs> about your life? Yeah, maybe we should do this once a year so I can yeah. reflect on this because that is a great question and so much has changed. It just feels like we've been through a washing machine on all levels. And I think the two things that come to mind, first of all, is I think a year ago I was really focused on group programs 
And I do think community is important, but I've almost reverted back to some of the one-on-one work just as a result of what the people I was working with wanted. And I think there was a little bit of Zoom fatigue. So it was like, you know, yeah, I'll sign up for the group program, but then I just don't want to sit on more group Zoom calls. At least, you know, that this is what my community was, was kind of going through. So my business strategy has sort of changed to meet the needs of what people wanted. And I've really gone back to the one-on-one support and focusing on that. But then even more broadly, I think we're still in the washing machine to a certain extent. So if you ask me in five years, I think I'll be able to look back on this time with a lot more clarity. I think we're still swimming through it. But what I'm noticing is, and you could look at this through any lens you want to, whether the frequency really is rising or the consciousness is rising, or maybe it's just some more on an individual level, but I'm finding that energy management is so critical and that none of us can get away with faking it so that if we're not um, really into what we're doing, fewer and fewer of us can get find the energy to even, you know, fake it. And, and so I feel the responsibility and also just um, I'm blocked when I don't honor uh, my own energy. And then that's just been valuable experience for me as I guide others on all kinds of career and work questions, which is, you know, where are you lying to yourself? And we have to get even more honest about where we're spending energy on things that don't matter because there's so much pressure on us that we can't, we can't afford it. And we could look at that negatively or we could say, wow, this is an amazing evolutionary tool. Yeah. And we can't, I don't think we can rise in consciousness individually and as a collective at the, it's, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? We can't, we can't cause that to happen on the planet without our energy rising to meet that new demand. Yes. Yeah. And that new demand also, I think one thing I love about our teacher is that she's not trying to direct us in one path towards a certain dogma, but the the change that we need on the planet requires our lens to be open to so much more in terms of, I was thinking personally of a video that I watched yesterday of her and she was speaking about you know some of the the biggest work that we need to do as yogis at the moment is be able to balance multiple opinions multiple ideas on things and it's going to be very hard for us to relate and communicate without the energy to be able to do that I I clearly agree definitely (laughs) Yeah. yeah yeah so I think do you notice in your coaching work as well that that has become really the focus of of your work and seeing that it's not so much that I I mean personally I'm probably speaking a little bit about our work as well that there's strategy and strategy is important but people really need to work on the other part of the equation as well in order to implement that strategy. Definitely. I see the full spectrum and the full spectrums in any one of us, you know, depending on what stage of life or business we're in. But I think in general, I see more of the people who have no problem with endurance and grit Mm. and discipline and putting in the work. And then it's a question of, hey, are you going in a direction that you want to go in? Or are you pushing through a phase when you'd be better served 
um, being a little bit more, uh, I want to stay away from the word rest because I think that is often misunderstood, but maybe you're in a phase where you need to be listening and learning more and, and, and going inward a little bit more. So I definitely work on people with that uh, aspect of things and, and, and burnout being so rampant and just disillusionment and kind of ennui <laughs> is what is what often comes to me. And what that is usually from is not necessarily fatigue, but a lack of enthusiasm in their lives for what they're doing or, or, or not having any outlets that at least generate some of that passion and enthusiasm. There is certainly another end of the spectrum where it's, hey, you know, a little discipline might help you or a little bit, uh, um, you know, putting in a few more hours, you know, that there's certainly that end of the spectrum. I just don't happen to see it as much. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I definitely agree that, yeah, we're lucky to be surrounded by people that have that drive and have that enthusiasm. Um, I think it's just interesting when the, when the collective, feeling the collective narrative can they still maintain that as well despite that external pressure because it's very easy I think at the moment we've just gone into a series of lockdowns and parts of our country again and you know sometimes it's what do they say the the straw that breaks the camel's back yes I think for some people also, it's how can I continue to move through this when it feels like I'm constantly getting beaten down. <laughs> and that's not an illusion where no. there is a lot working against us, especially. I know you work with a lot of small businesses. Mm. I, I work with yeah. some people who are small business you know, entrepreneurs and owners, as well as people who work in the corporate world. But we need both. And so to get rid of one end of the spectrum, which you could be forgiven for maybe thinking there's a plot to do so, I, you know, hopefully not, but you could be forgiven for thinking so just given all the challenges that entrepreneurs have been up against. And so it's very real. And I think um, the phrase that comes to mind a lot is like the, I just keep thinking about like the eye of the needle and how a lot of us have to, we can, like we're meant to get through the eye of the needle and it might be mm. messy and it might just be, it might be harder than we ever thought. My business over the last year has been harder than I ever thought that it would be. Um, and maybe that's, you know, I, I'm in, my, I just almost up to my second year of business. And I think year one, or at least this particular business and how it's structured. And I think year one, there's some euphoria, there's some beginner's luck, there's that. And then the second year, I mean, you add a global pandemic and people skittish about investing understandably and just a lot of, like you say, outside uncertainty and it's a whole new ball game, but um, I'm rooting for us. And I think it's very, these challenges, it's very true. What doesn't kill you make you makes you stronger. And so um, that's why your what the work that you do is so critical in terms of um, just continuing to encourage people and bringing people together. Because I think that community aspect of knowing you're not alone, even if you're at home behind a computer screen, that's what's going to get us through this. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're completely right in saying that, that, segues perfectly into the first thing I wanted to ask you and that is I think alongside what we've been talking about was which is related a lot to mental stamina and, and energy 
the, the conversation I really wanted to have with Mary Margaret today was around a topic called prosperity. And this is one of the teachings that we're very, very fortunate to be exposed to through Kundalini yoga and meditation. And she's spoken a lot recently on, on this topic of prosperity. And I thought this could be really, really helpful for my community to listen to some of these concepts and a lot of these are not you don't have to practice kundalini yoga you don't have to be any sort of religion or anything like that they're they're universal concepts and universal laws but I think what's very interesting when we think about prosperity I think the first thing that a lot of people go to is wealth and and money and in the last year I know that that that's been an interesting thing for me to personally dive into when when you think about what's going on externally and how sometimes that can really drive the financial capacity but also does it have to uh, on the other side of that does it actually have to drive and can you be independent and can you earn your own money which is what we do through small business which very very lucky to but I guess with that, you know, I, I, I'm guessing you were, were you out of college in 2008 in the, <laughs> I was about, I graduated 2010, 2010. Okay. So, yes. so yeah, into graduated into a terrible job market. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I too was in a similar situation. 2008 was actually my first year out as an, a graduate architect and it kind of felt like the floor fell out of the whole yeah. industry in a very short space of time. Um, the construction industry was really impacted here. And I think for a lot of people and myself included, it, it was actually a beautiful catalyst to really question what is money to me and what are my beliefs around it and starting to see you know whole people's incomes and all of these sorts of things and a very similar thing you know because these things go in cycles has happened again in in the past year so I'm interested to know for you personally in terms of money and how you perceive it in its role as a tool in your life has anything changed for you in the last in the last year with everything that's gone on at a macro level and there being a lot of scarcity also in the culture yeah what what comes to mind when you when you think about just money mindset as a as yeah. a concept well i would say what really shifted my perception started even sooner which was when I went out truly on my own. I had another small business, but when I truly went out on my own in September, 2019. And I kind of been a lifelong student, just fly on the wall. I think it's a fascinating yeah. subject. Yogi Bhajan, who brought Kundalini Yoga to the West said that money is the heaviest on the thing on the planet. Mm -hmm. Meaning um, in his language, he would say, you know, if you have certain karma around money, it's heavy to change that. You can't just mm -hmm. do one meditation and you're a millionaire. Like it just, it takes a second. So I, I, but then on the other hand, I think you have to hold all this stuff lightly because we're just here having an experience. So whatever, and everything's a paradox and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I present kind of my views just as a student of this and an observer. And my main question is, how can we make it less heavy? 
And how can we make it not the focus? Because the reality right now, as it has been, is you have to work pretty hard just to survive. And some people are lucky, quote unquote, in that they go to good schools and then they get access to extremely high paying jobs. Um, but the fear level, let me tell you this, after spending a decade recruiting these people and placing these people in highly lucrative jobs, the mm. fear level is just as high yeah. as somebody who you know is trying to make ends meet in a less well-paying job because you know god forbid you get sick or whatever happens and you can't do that job anymore the stakes are so high what you lose you lose your entire community you know you, you lose face at, at the country club or lose your membership or your a beautiful house i think there's this personality in the United States. I don't know if he's gone global. Part of me hopes not. Um, but he founded, he's the head of a media company and um, he he's a provocateur, but he was interviewing people um, during some protests. Maybe it was like uh, Occupy Wall Street, but he was saying like, what's your problem? And one of these activists was saying like, all these rich people are going to Martha's Vineyard, which is in here in the States, this beautiful area known to be very expensive. And the um, this guy from Barstool Sports, he responds, who's very wealthy himself, he responds, have you ever been to Martha's Vineyard? Like, it's really, really nice. Like his point being, like, <laughs> yeah. you would want it too, if you had the money. And so the stakes really are high. I mean, these, the difference between like a nice, beautiful home that you can buy with a lot of money or, you know, a cramped apartment in a big city. I mean, these things matter to people and it's okay that they matter. And I, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with wealth far from it. I think it should be available to all of us. I think in theory, it's available to all of us. The reality is we are in a very heavy, dense system that's clearly run its course. And what you're seeing is the breakdown before a much better system emerges. And that breakdown could be ugly and it could be painful and it could drag out for a couple of years or more. Um, so back to your point, what do we do as individuals throughout this time? And I don't think we can just sit back and say, well, the system's messed up and, uh, you know, I'm just going to wait, you know, whether it's 20 to 200 years, whenever this so-called golden age that so many religious traditions talk about is supposed to come. Mm. So what do we do in the meantime, when the odds are stacked against us, when we are shut down, you know, every few months, when a hedge funder makes, I don't know, a million times more than a school teacher here in the United States? I mean, these sort of obvious, like, left, right, we can all agree on this, right? Like we don't have to argue about this. Um, but it does really come back to, we can always point the finger and listen with good reason in many cases, but we have to get right with ourselves. And money management is ultimately has a lot to do with energy management. Mm -hmm. Now, for example, myself, I've had a lot of health problems related to, I guess you could say in the Eastern tradition, like chi depletion. And when I'm depleted, so is my bank account. It's pretty one-to-one. -one. And when I have a lot of energy, the money starts flowing in. And, you know, for people, you can just look at this, like I'm just throwing out a few examples, but for people who can't hold the energy, they'll get an influx of money. And then like, they, it's like hot potato. Like I have to buy gifts for everyone I know because I can't hold this money or I'm going to spend it all on online shopping. And if you're, if you notice things like that, if you notice money is leaking, it's energy leaking. And what you can, what you can be grateful for, especially if you're, you know, if you're experiencing a point in time where the money's not flowing in is, Hey, thank God you're not mismanaging millions and millions. Like let's work this out when, you know, when there's less at stake, mm. 
And then, then you want to be a good, you, you want to be kind of a healthy container for money to flow to. We have so many examples. I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles, you know, of people who get a lot of money and then it's how they manage it. And, and that can be their karma is like, okay, you've got all this money. Now you have to manage the heaviness that comes with that. And some people do that beautifully and have enjoyable lives. And for some people, it takes them down. So what I've noticed certainly even more in the last year is just how related money is to energy management on an individual scale and then clearly on a broader global scale and the mismanagement we're seeing there. Mm, yeah, I, I'm right right with you there. And I think that that's, that's really perfectly said. And I would also say that like you, I think originally when I started understanding more about money and, and my personal beliefs around it, it was quite binary and there wasn't this I knew this this energy money thing was related but actually to look at it in terms of you know how are you actually feeling in yourself what's are you feeling depleted is what's going on physically is going to relate to your capacity to make more money or you're going to be rigid and holding on to it and feeling scarce because your body is also in a, like you said, in a depleted yeah. state and lacking resources. It's just a resource management, isn't it? It's not, I'll also say, it's not <laughs> yeah. super easy to diagnose. No. For it, it, it is quite individual. I mean, what I've seen as a kind of anthropologist <laughs> around this, uh, amateur anthropologist, is, you know, for some people, there's heavy, heavy guilt. So I have a relative who's very Catholic who once said, oh, I took a vow of poverty, kind of like unofficially because I'm Catholic. Now he's made great money and yet it all seems to like, he gives a lot of it away. And you could say, I mean, that's so individual. He could be doing exactly what he wants to be doing with his money. So I'm not saying, but I'm just saying it, it, the, the, the guilt is real and the long kind of term association we've had, like money being the root of all evil or wealthy people being self-indulgent. I remember, you know, growing up, people making comments when like somebody bought a new car and like, why, you know, what a yuppie or like, what, what they're just showing off. And it's like, who cares? Who cares yeah. if they want to buy the new car? But I think we do have a lot of associations and we fetishize it, especially here in the States. I'm not sure, um, you know, if it's similar over there, but uh, it's almost like people, rich people are very much hated and very much fetishized and very much like um, uh, just kind of put on a pedestal at the same time. There's a lot, a lot of projection that we put on, on people who have money. And um, again, I think we're unraveling this. I think it's uncomfortable. I, and, and, and there are individual, um, I guess you would call it missions that we've taken on and kind of lifetimes that we've taken on where maybe this lifetime, we don't wanna be a millionaire or maybe this lifetime we do. And there, there's sort of these kind of, not confines, but, um, Life's lives that we've set up for ourselves, I believe, from the other side, and we're we're supposed to enjoy whatever that container is. So more than what's in the bank account, it's about how do we enjoy it. But I do think for so long it's been like, oh, it's not about the money. The prosperity is like if if you know 
look for the little things. And I think that's so beautiful. I really do. And yet at the same time, I also think that we deserve to have as much kind of gold hard cash as we need. Money buys you options. It buys you um, uh, new possibilities many times. And it buys a certain freedom, at least the way this kind of matrix is set up. And so I do think more of us deserve that than we've been told we deserve it or that we've internalized we deserve it. Mm, mm. I'm, I'm interested, I'm going to go on a slight tangent for a second because yeah. I'm also curious to know, certainly over here, personal wealth building and the freedoms that affords has also for a lot of people, they've woken up to the fact that they don't want to be attached to call it the matrix, call it a system, call it the government. And there's this, there's this underlying current of people that probably myself and my husband included us are starting to think this way of how can we create more freedom and independence for ourselves that give us options where backs up against the wall and we're not just looking to the powers that be to support right. us. I'm interested to know, is, is that a similar conversation that's happening over there? And certainly you live in a, in a major city and and I know a lot of people have moved out of cities for us over here, moved up yeah. to certainly where we live and things like that. So you're starting to see it unravel a little. And, and a lot of people, you know, looking at investing and, and their Bitcoin and all of these other things as well. So also diversifying their wealth in order to create a personal sense of freedom. Definitely. I, I think that there are some amazing possibilities right now. I had a client whose husband um, invested just a little bit in Bitcoin, didn't really think much of, of it. And then when he graduated business school, like an Ivy League school here, which is like, I don't know, $200,000 probably for this degree, he thought they were going to be saddled with debt for years. He went in like, this is a big investment, but it'll be worth it. And then he checked his Bitcoin account and he's like, I can pay this off. He paid it off on graduation day. Like, so the, and these are just the little amazing stories that I think as individuals, you have to be alert to those possibilities. Like, yes, the headlines are dire. Yes, this is what's happening on a macro level. And how can I maneuver this landscape and find those little wins, not just for myself, but to open up a space for that possibility for others? So definitely. And then I think so many of us are wondering there has to be an alternative. I think a lot of us can agree that what has been happening isn't really serving. Um, but then there's a kind of left versus right. And I think that really we have to remember that there's a third way. And that way is a complete quantum leap in consciousness. And what I mean by that, very kind of in a hopefully very grounded way, uh, I feel that it's grounded, is that there are solutions that we can't even conceive of yet from our level of consciousness, because I think everything that's been tried, you know, some of these ideas are really lovely, like, um, and I won't even go into policy just because I'm not even an expert in that, but I think these ideas around um, 
just, you know, you don't have to work or the government will pay for everything. I mean, that, that should be, yes. If we were at a certain level of consciousness, yes, we would all trust each other enough. And I think some older, like kind of tribal cultures are really good examples of that. But the reality is it doesn't matter what system of government we have. If we have people of low consciousness in power, they'll find a way to mess everything up. And so, you know, people say, no, we'll try this. We'll try that. Let's go back to this system. And I think we have to look to the future. We have to move forward. And um, we, it, it doesn't take too many people. I mean, I forget what the statistic is, but something like, you know, only 20% of the people have to have this kind of opening in consciousness to, to it's like hundred hundredth monkey. And then the whole world kind of opens up. And I would even point to, you know, these, these companies have had their, polarities, right? Negative and positive polarities, but even something like Uber. Um, do you guys, you guys have that in Australia? Mm, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. They're global. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of a groundbreaking thing that kind of came out of left field. Now I think we can, we could do even better. Like the, these sort of solutions that just seem obvious once they're presented, but th th they're so close. Like, you know, I was on hold with an airline a couple of days ago for two hours and they don't have any incentive to have better customer service because they're all protected, right? Like they all kind of collude and, you know, they're, they have all the power. Now in a free society, somebody would say, screw this. I'm going to start this other airline, which has started. We have some like local, like, like jet suite and stuff like that. But that's the kind of innovation where when there's freedom, on all levels, I'm not just talking politically, to just invent with, with few barriers. Now, of course, we need, because of the state of consciousness, we need some regulation and some stopgap measures, of course, of course. But this really is about an evolution in consciousness that when we get there, there are ideas, I mean, people have been talking about, you know, I could put my tin hat on, but people have been talking about um, medical discoveries that are just light years from where we're at, that some doctors are experimenting with and having these amazing results. And when we can just have a little bit more freedom to explore these, uh, we're just, we're on the cusp of, uh, it really could be a golden age the minute we decide to let it be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's... That's really, really powerfully said. And I think that also is quite an exciting moment in time that we're in, that we might feel like we're kind of at the end of a, an age and on the precipice of something new. And or like, like you say, I've, I've heard other people say that it doesn't take a lot. And we're seeing that here in Australia as well with, you know, sometimes and I'm not going to go into details around what this is about because this is not not what, what I talk about on this podcast, but there's been certain petitions going around at the moment to the government for certain medical things. And it is amazing how overnight a petition can go from 10,000 to 300,000 signatures. And those are like the biggest petitions in, that the government here has seen. And so I think we have manpower and we just need to continue to, to use it. And I guess if we, if there's something we believe in, trust that as well, because. I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I think the other thing, because some of these problems are just sort of beyond our human comprehension and maybe our individual ability to solve right away, 
One thing I would say is just to not feel guilty to anyone listening for taking time to meditate or journal about anytime I'm pointing the finger outward, where am I doing that in my own life? Because mm. a lot of us like to get really worked up about whichever politician or policy, and it's understandable, but it's it's a catalyst to look inward um, at where do I do that to myself on some level? Or where am I too you know, reactive? Or where do I not let myself be free? Or, oh, I'm worried the government doesn't have my health, uh, you know, isn't play, making my health a priority, where am I not making my health a priority and outsourcing that? And the reason why I think this is worthwhile is because I think it's time we take Tesla and Einstein and all these other greats ideas seriously, which is that it's a holographic universe and what is within is without. And so it's very much not selfish to truly Forget about the trappings of I'm going to a yoga retreat and posting on Instagram. Forget about that. You know, Eckhart Tolle says, if you take a few minutes every day to just breathe deeply, that's the best thing that you can do. But I really do think every time we're tempted to look outward, to really look at where do I still have, where are the dregs of that negative quality in myself that I can clear out? Mm, mm, beautiful, beautiful. So something that came up recently in an email that I quite often reply to Mary Margaret's email. Which I appreciate every time. You're single-handedly <laughs> keeping me going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and because I, I would encourage you if you want to hear some thought-provoking ideas and they are very much related to this, this business and um you know, job world. So it's not, it's not that we're taking these concepts totally out of that, but she has some really great ideas. So I encourage you to jump on her website and sign up for that. I'm just going to give you a little plug there for that. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, one of the concepts that we, we've alluded to a little bit that really caused me to kind of go down a rabbit hole and, and learn more is this concept of prosperity. And, and this comes from the Kundalini yoga tradition it's probably not exclusive but it's where it was a, a, a teaching that Yogi Bhajan uh, gave and he gave a lot of teachings I think this is what really kind of hit home for me was finally I had a all-encompassing yoga tradition that allowed me to explore the edges of some of these subjects that perhaps weren't really talked about in this in this way and in, in other yoga traditions that I'd practiced previously. And this this concept of prosperity came up in her email. And I think what's really interesting for both of us, and I know there's a lot of women and men out there listening to this that will feel the same, is that when you straddle this world of yoga and health and wellness in perhaps your personal life, but also you know, both of us bring this into our businesses as well. And then you have this very, what appears to be quite black and white <laughs> uh, business world. And I guess business is quite tangible. It's really easy to understand. You know, there's a financial exchange that occurs. We can, we can really grasp those concepts. They've been taught to us over and over and over and over again. But some of these conversations around things like prosperity, uh, almost feel like it, it's this weird thing where you're like, this is what I've been wanting to hear. Where was this? <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and the teachings are actually very, very old. It's They've always existed, but 
it just took this one person to bring them into the light. Can you explain for us in your words and what you understand from the teachings, what prosperity means? It means options. Yeah. It means seeing all your options. Yeah. And the way that we're raised, we're not, we've historically been given two options, which is follow the arts or some creative path and starve or be a lawyer, doctor, (laughs) consultant, et cetera. And what meditating and especially Kundalini yoga, just because of the way it was designed thousands of years ago, we've, we've had a lot of anecdotal and then schools like UCLA have studied how this actually works. But what it does is it changes your brain waves and you'd have to talk to a scientist to help you articulate, you know, exactly why this is happening. I'm more just experiencing its results, but I think more and more there's an understanding that we have neural pathways and that they get frozen in a certain, in certain thoughts. And especially as you get older, they, they become, they're worn like grooves in your brain. Like the thought that if I leave the law, I'll be broke. That is a thought that can get worn in your brain and it just becomes habit. And then when you start to get into some of these meditative states, you kind of can balance those brainwaves out and then you can add new grooves that are just a lot more expansive. And really when you can do that, the sky is the limit and advertisers know this. So they wear the grooves in your brain that are going to help them. And that's fine. But let's, why don't we do the same thing and and start to create some neural pathways like the opportunities out there are limitless. Why don't I start a TikTok? And, you know, some of these younger kids, they, they, they don't have the same limitations. And so while it can be, let me, let me give this example, the Kardashians. Why does everybody hate the Kardashians? Because they're rich for doing nothing, quote unquote. Yeah. Well, doesn't that sound good? That sounds, that sounds really good to me. I mean, just that, but there's a jealousy there. And and I don't think a lot of people realize that, but my, my point is not that we all have to emulate the Kardashians, but they, they represent an alternative way of creating wealth. And it looks like they're having fun doing it, whether or not they are. And so I think when something like that, because they trigger a lot of people, and I think when that something like that or a TikTok dancer who has all these followers and makes all this money, if that triggers you, it's likely because there's something there for you around, why is it so easy for them? I grind away all day at work, yeah. you know, at this job I don't really like. Well, maybe there's something, maybe there's some lesson in, in, you know, this, this, um, you know, 20 year old on TikTok, who's just not as rigid or who's more comfortable. Again, I'm not saying that has to be the way I'm not saying Bitcoin has to be the way new money comes in. I'm just saying there's so many options out there. And when you do something like Kundalini yoga or any kind of meditation, you're going to start to clear out the whole game with money is that it all wants to flow to you. And we just all have different blocks around why we're not letting it. And meditation starts to clear out some of those thought forms that are blocking it. Mm, mm. And in a tangible way, that might lead to something very practical like, hey, I'll present this idea to my boss. Or why don't I apply to this kind of job? Or why don't I invent this thing? It becomes very, very practical. Yeah. And I think 
something I'd love to add to that is that I think the reason why this felt so revolutionary, but also felt so at home was that previously a lot of the teachings I'd been exposed to, there was still a lot of scarcity. You couldn't be spiritual and be rich. And I think right. that, that and this That's is going the biggest off on a lie little... of the last 2000 years. Yeah. 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 And suddenly this person was a yogi and, you know, building multi-million dollar companies. And I was like, hang on, <laughs> these two things can t- go together. And in fact, you need both of them to go together in order to create that, um, that clarity of thought in your mind and open up those possibilities through like defragging your brain, I guess. It's like you would defrag a computer back in the the 90s. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could really geek out on this as I have been doing, but like, who's to say you didn't come to the planet earth because you wanted to feel what it would be like to drive a Tesla or like there's the story of the yogi who it was supposed to be his last lifetime and his master, um, you know, said, Hey, you have to go live in this mansion because this is completing your karma. Like this is the last, this is the last thing you have to do before you can leave this planet. Cause you, you just, well, you have to have all the experiences or whatever. And I, there's just so much judgment around, you know, what, what other people should be doing with their money and, and what that all means when really it's just an experience and how could it not be spiritual? How could abundance not be spiritual? But I, I will say that, you know, I, I think, and, and I do, we're allowed to experiment with all of it, and have fun with it. I do think ultimately a lot of people get to the point where they realize money is not the point. <laughs> it's ancillary. It's like, mm. it's fun if it's there and it's fun if it's not there. Uh, but we're not all spiritual masters yet. And if along the way we want the experience of having, you know, some luxury, some freedom, some, some of the power that better for better or worse money brings, there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, it might be an experience that, you know, our human absolutely needs to go through. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so true. I think the the more you come home to yourself on this, the more you'll, you'll find the path that's right for you. And, and I think what I love about the way Mary Margaret always explains these things is there's no, it's not cut and dry. There's no, there's no rule for you and a rule for them. You've got to come to your own conclusions on these things. And um, I guess the power of the, the yoga and the meditation is that it just opens up that possibility of being able to think for yourself on this. Yeah. Yeah. So say we do the work to build build our wealth and we're on a roll and you spoke about this a little bit earlier when you were talking about stars in Hollywood and their capacity to handle their wealth and I think it's you know we we if we really tune into seeing these examples I think this is where this next question is going to to be more relatable to you, because I think this can also go down a very scientific route when we start talking about the nervous system. And, and I, I'm still very naive and very new to this. But one thing that I really understood from this prosperity work is that you've also got to work on the, and this is the energy piece, you've got to work on the nervous system to be able to hold the success. And I think this is where I, I'm just 
probably this has just come to me now. <laughs> when imposter syndrome is really strong, it's when also I, I think of when I hit up against imposter syndrome, it's my nervous system asking me, have you got the capacity to hold this new opportunity? And I haven't really thought about it like that before because I don't think the work in imposter syndrome goes into that. But really, that's what I'm asking of myself. You know, are you ready for this? And most of the time you are, but sometimes you also have to do a bit of work to be able to hold that success and move through the imposter syndrome because that could take a bit of work. The nervous system could get hit a little, a little as you expose yourself <laughs> to something new and you expose yourself to the world with this new offer or this new product or whatever it is. Yeah. So when, why do you think this is like the, the missing, I believe it's the missing piece. I'm curious to know if you think it's the missing piece when we talk about success, it's kind of this unspoken thing. We're so busy working on the money side. <laughs> And when it comes to the nervous system, I would love to know what's your thoughts around this and um, yeah, how do you work with people on this? Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. There's so much there. I think there are different reasons why we would throw off success. I guess what's coming to mind as you're talking is just different forms of self-sabotage. Mm, mm. And certainly that being a nervous system thing, I don't have, I, I, I don't have the opposite of imposter syndrome, maybe, maybe all the Leo in my chart. I've never really fully identified with that. I guess, yeah. you know, I'm a millennial. You are, I think you are too, but it's, it's like my, let's just say what I've been up against has been different around just, I've seen there is a lot of responsibility that comes when you have a lot to hold. And, and so for other reasons, maybe there have been times in my life where I just haven't wanted to go that route. Um, and, and so have dealt with that in a, in a certain way and certainly work with people who for various reasons have just shied away. And there are so many reasons why this could be the case. Um, and I mean, I think if you work backward and look at, okay, who is, who has wealth and, and is enjoying it and what makes them different? And I know this is a cliched, but a lot of people who are cliched, like they actually really are interesting. But I think Tony Robbins is interesting because mm. he's fabulously wealthy and seems to, or does a good job on the PR side, seems to still have a soul. And he, sp he stands up for some controversial things sometimes that he believes in and, and appears to invest in, you know, conscious businesses, so forth. Looks like he's having a great time. Yeah. Now he had a really tough childhood, like abusive and, and so on. And he talks about um, being in his late 20s, just like overweight, broke, unhappy, the whole thing. And I think there is a strength, in my opinion, that he drew on from being able to say, hey, you got yourself out of this situation, you can do it. He had early failures, in other words. And I think when people have gotten over those early failures, like there, there may be some nervous system damage, but there's also the drive to overcome them. So it can almost you know, be an asset in that way in terms of that training. Um, but if you look at him like physically, He's obviously built for this. He kind of, in yoga, you yeah. see, they say you get the body that you need for your mission. 
So like physically, he just looks strong, which is interesting, right? And then you look at like Ama, who's a billionaire, and she's a big woman. Like she, she's she like physically an, a big presence and she holds a lot. Um, and so that that's interesting, I think, from a physical standpoint. But what do you do if kind of that's not your natural orientation? I think that, yes, we know that Kundalini Yoga builds the nervous system. But if you look at people who are enjoying this, they're, they're often very organized. And what I see when people kind of throw off, like they have a lot of talent, but no follow through, it, they're, they're not organized mm. and they're not in some way consistent. Now, I think sometimes we can use consistency to browbeat ourselves into doing things we don't want to do, um, like truly don't want to do isn't aligned, but some kind of consistency where you say, okay, I need today off, but I'm going to get back to it tomorrow. I see that missing in a lot of people who like, can't seem to hold wealth. And so how do we work on that? It's different for every single person. Um, but it's, it's like step-by-step, step, like how can I commit a little bit more today than I did tomorrow? Or how can I, for some people, they need to look, watch their diet. Like it's as fundamental as that. You're not going to move forward unless you are a little healthier. Um, and that means, you know, a healthy diet means different things to different people, but they have to work that out. Some people, like it's truly like physical, like we, how do we get in the body and be able to hold this? And then some people, um, you know, it's having, I talked about this today on social media, like the self-authority to um, stop spending too much money. It's as simple as that. It's very like human like that. Like, hey, you'll be more you're prosperous if you stop throwing this energy off. But I guess if there's an umbrella for all of this, it's awareness. Mm. Like, why am I tempted to online shop right now? I don't even have to stop it. I don't even have to use any willpower, but let's just like, why am I spending this money? Or why do I feel I have to get this nice gift or pay for yet another yoga retreat on my credit card? Like why? So that awareness is where it all starts. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I mean, you can tell everyone <laughs> that we could talk for the, for days on these on these subjects and we're only lightly touching the surface. I mean, surface, yeah. I mean, the whole idea of the nervous system, you could go into the anatomy of that. You could go into, um, you know, how much water you need to drink, how much, right. <laughs> you know, all of these more prescriptive things. But I think if you can take anything away from this conversation alone, it would be, you know, where are you not leaning into understanding your energy and your capacity that could actually open up the doorway for more in yes. your life, whatever that more looks like for you as well. And, um, you know, energy also can be mental energy. It can be, you know, it's not, we're not just talking about the physical body. But I think they were some great examples that you give there. And, and I'm always, you know, something I'm always fascinated by as well is when people get to that point, and I'm thinking of a life coach that I really look up to because she's built an incredible business over a 12, 13-year period, and she works, I think, three days a week. And I think that's always so fascinating to look at where the inflow of money feels disproportionate to the energy going out <laughs> to yes. create that money. And she has a big team, but in order for her to, for, when you look at it though, maybe in order for her to hold that much money, she also can only do 
a fo- yes. three focus days per week. And a lot of us spend a lot of time running around being busy thinking that's going to make us more money <laughs> when we could also look at, you know, our schedules and, uh, and really just spending time on a few focus things may actually create more inflow financially. That's perfectly said and something yeah. that I've worked with many different clients on usually to get to the next level of whatever income feels good to you. There's something you have to give up. Yeah. Whether it's running around town, like something as silly as, oh, I go to three grocery stores because they all have some, like, how can you consolidate that? And why are you running around? And what, what can you give up just as you say? And I often give this example of a different coach and presenter who was gracious and sharing with his audience that when he does these two day kind of fill stadiums and gives long talks afterward, he says, I take a week off. I get this massage, I get the, you know, do this self-care, whatever, whatever. He's like, here's my recovery routine, which I think was quite generous of him because um, that's how he's able to do it is he has to manage his energy in that way and take that next week off. Mm -hmm. Uh, This has been such a good conversation. I am so just always grateful for your time, Mary Margaret and I really hope hope that everyone listening has also got something little out of this, you know, that you can take away and start to play with, experiment with in your life. None of this stuff is, the way we speak about this stuff is not hard and fast. There's no rules for one person. It's really just about taking these as concepts and experimenting with them in their lives. Is there anything that you'd last, any last words you'd like to to add to the conversation? I would just say, if money is something you've been working on, know that if you keep your sort of face pointed toward the sun and continue to be self-aware and explore, this is generally something that doesn't change overnight. I know we sometimes read about these stories about people who win the lottery and, you know, I did one med- meditation and everything changed. This is something I've seen that on it's like a thawing out process that can take years. But if this is one of your goals, it's your goal for a reason. You're meant to have what you want and keep the faith because this will open up for you in time. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so, so true. And um, yeah, yeah. Re- Really, at the end of the day, enjoy what you've got (laughs) as well. Yeah, yeah. Always enjoy what you've got. And um, yeah, I like that. Keep your face pointed towards the sun. That's That's a beautiful metaphor. So if anybody's interested in working with you, Mary Margaret, on some of these things we've talked about today. Um, she she really is your go-to woman for for these areas. How can we get in touch with you? How do you work now? One thing I think just kind of to, to tie a bow on it based on what I just said before about working the three days a week is that you've really simplified your business in the last yeah. year. And I think even that simplification alone can open up more energy in itself, can't it? And it's amazing. Yeah. What you think you had to do. And then when you, when you change it and you do something different, it's like, (laughs) ah, 
And it's so individual. I mean, I learned from people whose complex programs worked so well for them. And and for whatever reason, as I've simplified, it's it's been more successful. So yes, you're exactly right. You can find me at marymargaretskelly.com and you can schedule a session directly. You can buy a package or you can just schedule a one-off. And I work with people all over the world and try to be flexible on time zones. So (laughs) amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Mary Margaret. Thank you, Ruby. My pleasure.